0: Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. Next week we're going to have plenty of guests here as well, and so I want to encourage you as you come in to be a little bit economical in how you seat yourself, and don't leave a bunch of seats in between you and the next person. Cozy on up to them, especially next week as we have a a lot of extra people here, and uh, we'll have to figure out where we're going to put all of you as more and more people come. It's a good problem to have as a church. So let me just uh, pray, and then we'll get into the message. So God, I do thank you. Um, God, I'm reminded of the book of Acts where it it said and the the number was added to daily those who were part of the church. And and so continue to add to this church those who are hungry and thirsty for you, those who have never heard of you but are being drawn to you by your Holy Spirit. And and call those home, those prodigals and those people who, for one reason or another, have been led away or fallen away but are desperately seeking to make that reconnection, make this a place, God, where those people come home to. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So one of the joys of pastoring is, in addition to doing all things spiritual, you have to also deal with all other things. And so this particular week, one of the joys that I had to deal with was a sewage issue our septic pump wasn't working and so uh, Tom Schoon who was playing the acoustic guitar uh, helped out a lot and well, we called the company in to kind of take a look at it and, and the young guy that showed up was a kid I happened to know from the gym and so we, we have this substation outside that pumps all the sewage and so he came and it was one of these days this week where I was like below zero and he was out there and working on these pipes and everything and I said, all right. I said, clearly, this isn't a job for me. I'm going inside. And and then I came back out to check on him a little while later. And whereas when I first saw him, he had just finished. His previous job had been an inside job, so his jeans were clean, and then this orange hoodie was clean. When I came back out the second time, it was still like sub-zero, and now he was covered in sewage, all of his pants and all of his hoodie. And I looked at him, and I thought, Some people work a whole lot harder than I do. Some people really, really labor for their wage. And that is like some hard work. And that, of course, made me think of people who don't really work that hard. And so I had a list of ten of the easiest jobs in the world, but for time's sake, I cut it down to five of the easiest jobs in the world. These are jobs that you can actually get paid uh, money to do. The first one was being a sommelier. I don't know if you've ever gone to an expensive enough restaurant, but essentially a sommelier is like a wine counselor. Like if you need advice and counsel on what type of wine to eat with your meal, this person's job, they don't have to make the wine, cook the food, they don't have to do the dishes. They just tell you what expensive bottle of wine you should drink with your expensive meal. Another job is a Netflix tagger. You might not know what this is, but if you ever watch Netflix and there's a name of the movie or the name of the show and underneath of it there's all these little tags. Suspenseful. Comedy. Gripping. Well, all those little adjectives that get attached to the title of Netflix shows, somebody is making them up. Somebody is watching the Netflix show and getting paid to tag that show with these adjectives. And that could be you instead of dealing with raw sewage. You also have, you might not know this, You could be a professional bridesmaid. There are places online, websites online, if you are short, a bridesmaid, and you need somebody to step in, you can hire a bridesmaid. It may not be a career for all of us, but for some. You could be an underwater golf ball retriever. There are people who get paid to put on a scuba suit and go under the water and retrieve all of the golf balls that people like me who don't play golf end up putting the ball in the water. Now, before you put up the last one, this is my favorite one. You could be a professional cuddler. This is a real thing. You get paid $222 an hour. Don't ask me how I know that. You get paid $222 an hour to cuddle with people who don't have anybody to cuddle with. What a fantastic job. Those are some of the easiest jobs that exist in today's world. But there is an easy job that existed in the Old Testament that was much like these jobs. A job that is now obsolete, but it existed in the Old Testament. And it was the job of a seer. The name of the job pretty much describes what the person did. They essentially saw things. They were paid. They had a career to see things that other people weren't seeing. They would see things that God wanted them to see, and they would share it with other people. And that was their job. They didn't have to dig holes. They didn't have to tend to animals. They didn't have to bust up rocks. They just sat around waiting to see things from God and share it. And as easy of a job as that sounds, it was an absolutely critical job in this generation and in this season of life. Because in the Old Testament, people were not seeing the things of God. In the Old Testament, prior to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the ability to see the unseen was only available to specific appointed people. After Jesus Christ, as He ascended to heaven, He gave us the Holy Spirit so that essentially everybody in this room are now seers. We now have the ability to see things that the natural eye can't see. But in the Old Testament, that was a very specialized job. The job of seeing. Today we're continuing our series, Vision Twenty. 24 having eyes that see and so far we we started this series by talking about having eyes to see Jesus at at any moment at any time and in any situation we are just able to stop and say Jesus can you show me what you're doing right now can you show me how you're wanting me to respond to this what would you say and what would you do in this moment And 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 we ask the question who do you say that Jesus is Last week, we talked about ourselves and how we see ourselves. Last week's question was essentially, who do you say that you are? And so today, we're going to talk about having eyes to see our future. And I think every one of us in this room, there's something inside of us that wants to see and wants to know what lies ahead. Wouldn't it be nice to know exactly what your health is going to look like at the end of 2024. Some of you right now are dealing with some major health issues, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. And it'd be awful nice to have a vision of where your health is going to be at the end of 2024. Some of you who are married may be going through some difficult times and some struggles, and you're going, man, where, where is my marriage going to be at the end of this year, and what is it going to look like? Maybe some of you are going through a rocky time in your career or a career transition. And you might be wondering, what's my career, what's my business going to look like? For those of you who are parents, we know the challenges of, of having children and, and the changes and the seasons. And wondering, where's my child going to be at the end of this year? Are they still going to be in this place or are they going to grow out of this stage? So many of us look at our finances and go, man, I'd really like to know where my finances are going to be at the end of this year. And I'm not suggesting in any way that we can have like a crystal ball and, and and see exactly things that are going to happen. What about? But what I am suggesting is that as children of God, as born-again Christians, as temples of the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that each and every one of us in this room can actually see more of the future than what we're presently seeing, that you and I have the ability and and the invitation to see more than we've ever seen before. So today we're going to take a look at one of these seers, also known as a prophet, and his name is Habakkuk, and there's a book in the Bible that is dedicated to him, And, and in this book and in the scripture that we're going to be reading, we're going to kind of take a look at a template for how Habakkuk was able to receive a vision of the future and what he was able to do with that. So a little bit of a background before I, I read this section out of Habakkuk. The whole book of Habakkuk, is just a short two chapters, the entire book is a one-on-one conversation. There's nothing else in the book but Habakkuk talking to God and God talking to Habakkuk. And it opens up with Habakkuk pleading God for a vision. Now don't forget... Habakkuk's only job, he only had one job to do, and that was to see things from God. The problem was, is God had been silent for a while. Which puts a lot of pressure on the one guy who's supposed to be seeing. People are looking to me for answers to God. People are asking me what I'm seeing, and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not hearing anything. And so Habakkuk is pleading with God, I need a vision to be able to do my job. And then God gives him a vision and then he tells them what to do with that vision. And so, in the midst of all of this, we see this pursuit of a vision, this response to the vision, and what to do with it. And so, here is what Habakkuk and God talk about. This comes from Habakkuk two. Habakkuk says, "I will take my stand and at my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and whatever." Uh, And what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So we see this whole conversation between God and Habakkuk about vision. And we're going to break this Scripture down, but before we do... I kind of want to just lay this foundation of the relationship between revelation, vision, seeing, and the life of a Christian. And why those two things, our faith and and having vision, are so closely connected. The Bible tells us this, that as Christians, we live by faith and not by sight. This morning, one of the lyrics in the songs that we, we sang Was my faith beyond what it looks like? So the whole definition of what it means to be a Christian is based on this idea of seeing a future that doesn't yet exist. If you were to say, what makes somebody a Christian? One of the answers that you would have to give is that they don't live entirely in the moment. That they live between two worlds, they live between two realities, they live in the moment. It's not as if they're they're not connected to the moment, but they're not completely connected to the moment. They know that something is coming, and they live towards that future vision. So you think about some of the basic things that we do as Christians. When we pray, again as we sung this morning, when we pray and we say, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, what we are saying is, is that which is true in heaven, that which is true in the future, that we will experience in the future, make that a reality now. And so even the Lord's Prayer, the lyrics of that song, and the words of that prayer speak to that that that, uh, that 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 truth that as Christians, when we pray, we are looking for something to happen that has not yet happened. And when we pray in faith and we continue to pray, that which we are praying for, that future answer, that future reality, it starts to feel like that is just as real as where we are right now. The Bible tells us that when we look at people, we're not to look at people as who they are in this moment and where they are in this moment, but the Bible calls us to look at people uh, through the eyes of who they can be, what they can be, and how God can transform them. So even in our human relationships, how we look at one another, I don't look at you as you are today, I look at the future you, I look at the redeemed you, I look at the mature you, I look at at who you are going to be when God completes His good work in you and even when we, we make an offering and we put our offering in the basket, there's a, a future element to that. We're not just giving five, fifty, five hundred, five thousand dollars. We're not just giving the amount that we're giving, but when we give, we are very much aware that we are sowing seed, and the seed that we sow is going to be multiplied, and in the future it will bear a harvest that is much greater than what we give. And because we've given, we know that in the future there will be that greater reward. So everything about the Christian faith is based on this idea that we are people who live by faith or by vision or by revelation and not just by the sight of our eyes. And what we see over and over again in the Bible is this, that if we have a clearer vision of our future, we'll have a clearer understanding of what we're supposed to do today. If we know what God wants to do, if we know what God has promised, if we know what the future holds, it'll change how we behave today. So today I want to talk to you about developing a vision for your future. Developing a vision for 2024 so that today you will know exactly what to do. You will know the exact path to be on. What the Bible tells us is that vision allows us Align our today with God's tomorrow. That's really the key of this message. Learning how to align our day today with God's tomorrow. God, I know that's what you want to happen tomorrow. So let me make decisions today that align with what you want to do tomorrow. Let me develop disciplines today that will get me to where you want me to be tomorrow. Let me build the relationships and make the decisions and the sacrifices today so that I can stand where you want me tomorrow. Let me not get into the emotions and the pressures and the discouragement and the disappointment of today because I know that's where I'm going to be standing tomorrow. So does that make sense? How important it is to be able to see tomorrow so that we can live victoriously and confidently today. And so, we're going to talk about what it means to live with vision and how that happens. And so if we're going to live with vision, and we're going to have a future vision for 2024, we need to have the willingness to wait for the vision. I think of all of the words in the Bible that the word waiting may be one of the most misunderstood words, because in our culture and in our mind, we generally equate waiting with a very passive action. I went to the post office this week, And I was standing in line behind 10 people. I do not know what hell will be like, and I hope never to find out, but it can't be much worse than standing in line at the post office behind 10 people, three of whom are trying to get a passport, and having one person serve these people. And when you are waiting in a line like that, there is nothing you can do but get angrier and angrier, right? You're an impatient person like me. When we think about waiting, all of our contexts for waiting, you're waiting in a doctor's office, you're waiting in line, you're at an amusement park waiting two hours to take a ride, it is completely passive. There is nothing you can do in that time to make it any better. You just have to suffer the pain of waiting. But when Habakkuk says this, I will take up my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and wait and look out to see what he will say to me. In that moment, Habakkuk was talking about an entirely different type of waiting than this passive waiting. See, biblical waiting involves two different things it involves active expectation and ruthless elimination. Here's what I mean by active expectation. When the Bible talks about waiting, it's a verb. It's an action. You're doing things while you're waiting. It's not just passive. You're not twiddling your thumbs. You're not just reading a two-year-old people's magazine in the doctor's office. You are looking. You are remembering. What has God said in the past? How did God fulfill His promise in the past? And you're looking and you're watching and you're imagining. And, and when, when Habakkuk went to his watchtower, he made sure he brought snacks with him. He said, I'm, I'm if I've got to wait all night, I'm bringing my snacks with me. I'm bringing everything that I need because I'm not going to stop waiting. There was just this expectation. And the whole time that you're waiting, it's like you're tending to this fire. And you're stoking the fire and you're feeding the fire and saying, I am not going to stop waiting until I see something. So when the Bible talks about waiting, it's this verb, it's this endurance, it's something that you're doing and you're engaging in. And the whole time that you're waiting, you are on high alert and you're looking. In addition to being active, expectation is also ruthless elimination. When the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord, it means that we must wait on the Lord at the expense of other things. That there are things in our life that will have to be eliminated that will allow us to wait. And sometimes when we are waiting, we are going to have to eliminate people from our lives. Whether we like it or not, the fact of the matter is that not everyone in your life has eyes to see what God has in store for you. You have some people in your life that love you, but they don't have eyes to see what God has in store for you. You have people in your life that love to tell you what you should be doing, but they don't have eyes to see what God is doing. So when Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get me behind me, Satan, he was eliminating Peter's opinion from the equation of the moment. And he was saying, Peter, get out of my way. I am trying to see what God is saying to me. And right now, your emotion-based advice to me is of no value because it's just distracting me. And so sometimes when we're in that place of waiting and we're wanting to see, we have to ask ourselves, whose voice is in my ear and should they be in my ear? And over and over again, we see Jesus drawing away from the many voices so he could look for the one face. It means eliminating some of the pressures in our life. Uh, the men's Bible study that meets on uh, Friday mornings we're doing this series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And there are pressures in our life and obligations in our life. And sometimes when we really, really need to hear from God, we have to be willing to say, I'm not going to give in to the urgency of the moment at the expense of a a vision of the future. It is so important that I see what God is doing. It's so important for me to be able to to root myself and secure myself in the future. That if I give into the urgency of the moment, I will just drown in the urgency. And I'll never realize the future. And so what we end up doing sometimes is we don't eliminate those things from our life. And we just drowned in other people's opinions and in the obligations and the pressures of life. We learn and see a great example of the willingness to wait and to receive a vision from Jesus' very own ministry. Who said this, The Son can do only what he sees the Father doing. For the Father loves to show him all that he does. And what we see in the ministry of Jesus Christ is that he stepped back from people. He stepped back from demands. He stepped back from needs. He stepped back from expectations. He found a quiet place, much like Habakkuk. He set himself up on the tower and said, God, I need you to show me what it is that you want me to do. There are 10,000 people who need healing. Who do you want me to heal? I can go left, right, up, down, directions. Show me the path you want me to follow. And when you saw Jesus come from those places of waiting, he had laser-like focus as to where he was going. And so if Jesus needed to take the time and wait for the vision, we need to do the same. So what I want to encourage you to do in a very practical way as we wrap up this first point is I want you to, to start with something very manageable and measurable in your life. And maybe that's your marriage. And just pray this simple prayer. God, give me a vision of how you want my marriage to look like at the end of 2024. And just pray that prayer over the next two weeks. And if you're married, sit down with your spouse. Say, let's pray together. God, what vision do you have for our marriage? Where where do you want our marriage to be? And what do you want it to look like at, at the end of 2024? Maybe you're going through some health things and, and you have uh, diagnoses and prognoses and you have opinions and you've been looking on the internet about what that has to say about how you're doing And Maybe you need to step back from all of that and say, God, give me a vision of what my health is going to look like and where you want my health to be at the end of 2024. Maybe you're dealing with some pain and trauma and sexual brokenness and things that have happened in your life and you've been carrying that load for a long time. Say, God, Would you give me a vision of what my wholeness can look like at the end of the year? What my healing could look like? Give, Give me a vision of what my life can look like being fully restored. Let me see what that's like. God, show me. Give me that vision. And be willing to wait in that pocket. Be willing to wait in that moment. And don't come out of that moment of waiting... Don't let the pressures and the urgencies of the moment to push you out of that place until you go, I've seen it. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the vision of God. I know what God wants to do. The willingness to wait for the vision. Secondly, if we're going to be a people of vision and have a vision for our future of 2024, we need to have the maturity to cultivate the vision. One of the joys of being in ministry is I get to come alongside people and, and help them to discover their dreams and to realize their dreams. And So people will often come and say, hey, God's, God's given me this idea or I have this passion and, and that's such a privilege and such an honor. I love kind of giving people a boost and, and helping them get, get to their dream and get into their vision. But, but one of the maybe frustrations of being in that place is how many people maybe in their inexperience, or immaturity want to move directly from vision to execution and skip over cultivation. And there is a cultivation process to the vision. Cultivation is where that vision gestates inside of us. That vision kind of stirs up inside of us and, and, and develops inside of us. It's, it's, it's in that cultivation process where where we start to own this vision and it, it starts to become one with us and and our identity and our passions and our desires and, and everything about us starts to intertwine with this vision and, and 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 we become that vision we start to long for that thing we start to discern that thing we, we start to see it on on different levels and 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 the longer it sits inside of us it's like that fire that's shut up in our bones and, and we can't contain it and Anymore. That's the whole cultivation process. And so, the proper process is revelation. I, I see what God wants to do in my life. And and now, cultivation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work that thing. I'm going to own that thing. And then, finally, execution. But like I said, if you skip over that cultivation part, so often, the execution never actually happens. Interestingly enough, we, we see this implied In God's answer to Habakkuk, he says this to Habakkuk. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. This is where having a little bit of biblical history is helpful because when God said write it on tablets, he was not talking about an iPad or a Kindle tablet. He was talking about a material either made out of wood or made out of stone. So when God said to Habakkuk, write it down, What he was saying to Habakkuk is, hey, listen, you're going to have to go get the supplies. You can't just run to Office Depot and get them. You're probably going to have to craft these supplies yourselves. And then what I want you to do is letter by letter carve this vision out in stone. Carve this vision out in wood. Take the time and the effort to write this whole thing out in stone. I don't know how long that would have taken. But I do know this that during that process of writing out the vision, that Habakkuk would have been thinking about the vision, would have been dreaming about the vision. He would have been thinking about the various iterations of the vision. He would have been making the connections of how that vision fits in with everything else that has happened. And during that whole time, that vision was being cultivated within his heart. And so the cultivating of the vision, knowing what God wants you to do, and then taking the time to cultivate it, it's in that season, and it's in that part of the process where sometimes we are confronted by the cost of the vision. Oh, I know what God wants me to do, but now I know what it's going to cost me to do it. And that changes things. Oh, I I know what God wants me to do, but now that I think about it, I realize that there's some sins in my life that will prevent me from ever getting anywhere near that vision. And so I'm going to have to make a choice whether I have to do away with these sins in my life or if the sin is more important. I know what God wants me to do, but I recognize there are some disciplines in my life that I'm going to need to adopt if I'm going to ever get there. And I don't have those disciplines. So I'm going to have to choose to develop those disciplines. Oh, I know what God wants me to do, but, but to do there, to get there, I'm going to have to face some Goliaths. I'm going to have to go through some dark valleys. I'm going to have to face some of my fears. Am, am I willing to move out of that place of comfort and into that place of conflict and face my fears? I'm going to be willing to do that. That's what happens in that cultivation process. You come face to face with your fears and say, do you want this vision enough to face your fears? As I said earlier, maybe in that cultivation process, you evaluate whether the relationships in your life are the relationships that will help you get there or whether you need to develop those relationships. Jesus said this, For which of you wanting to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate or cultivate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Listen, God wants to do some great things in our lives in 2024. God wants to show you those things. And even today, I pray, when we have our time of ministry, I'm going to pray that God gives each and every one of us a vision of what He wants to do in our life in 2024. And and I pray each person walks away with that. But even if each one of us walks away with a clear vision of what God wants us to do, it's still going to mean you've got to come back here next Sunday and say, I'm ready to cultivate. I'm going to cultivate and stir this thing up until that vision becomes a reality. Here's the last point. In order for us to live with a vision of 2024, we have to have the courage to run after the vision. Ultimately and always, there comes a time for execution. There comes a time for running. A time where we need to step out of the boat. A time where we need to risk. A time where we need to put our our money where our mouth is and to start building. God said to Habakkuk, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he who reads it may run. There's a few things that that word "run" means implies. What it implies about the actual act of running, but also what it implies as it relates to vision. And that word "run," it first of all means directionality. The Bible never says that we're supposed to be running like our uh, like a chicken with our heads cut off, like running in circles. That's not what he's talking about. When he says, uh, "Write it down so that he who reads it may run." He's implying that the person that's running knows exactly where they're going. I have seen what God is doing. And so they they know which direction that they're going in. So there's this directionality. There's this predetermined... I I know, as Paul said, the race that is set out before me. He knew the direction that he was going in. It means intentionality. And intentionality means I know where I'm going and every choice that I make is, is aligning with my destination. My, my destiny, my ultimate goal, every decision. I'm not going to make decisions that, that take me off track. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, right? I, I know I'm intentional, I'm staying on course, and I'm making the decisions that I need to make to get there. Bruce Lee, and it, by the way, this you'll learn this in preaching school if you ever go to preaching school, if you can throw a Bruce Lee quote into a message. It's a great message. Bruce Lee, the famous theologian and martial arts Hollywood star, said the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And so intentionality is I am focused on where I'm going, and I'm not going to let anything distract me, and I'm only going to do the things that get me there. Jesus had laser-like focus. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what is God's vision for my marriage, for my finances, for my health? And then what are two or three things that I need to do to get there? One of the biggest things, biggest mistakes that people make is that they overwhelm themselves with the number of things that they try to do. If you, God gives you a vision for your finances, to have your finances turn around, you don't need more than two or three things to do. Just know two or three things that I am going to do every day of this year so that that vision is fulfilled in my life. If you want to see your marriage end up in a different place, don't have a 16-step plan to repair your marriage. Have a three-step plan to repair your marriage. Be laser-focused on two or three things that will get you there. If you want to see your finances turned around, don't have a 27-step process. Have a three-step process. And just do a few things very well. Do a few things very intentionally. First Corinthians 9 says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Know exactly what it is that your goal is. And make every decision align with that goal. The last thing that the word run means is tenacity. And that means don't give up. In talking to Habakkuk, He says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Here's the interesting thing. Twice in this scripture we read the word wait. At the front end of the scripture, Habakkuk needed to wait for the vision. And that was a waiting that required stillness. I am not moving until I see what God's doing. I'm going to wait. The second time God mentions waiting... It's a waiting in movement. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep moving towards this goal. And I am not going to give up until I see that vision become a reality. It is a waiting in motion. And when the Bible says, Do not grow weary in well-doing, for at just the right moment you will bear a harvest, what it is saying is don't give up, but keep working, keep cultivating the field, keep planting the seed, keep doing the right thing, keep doing the two or three things that you're supposed to be doing, keep doing it and doing it and doing it and waiting to see the results. Don't give up. And sometimes in the process of pursuing that vision, there is that delay when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And in that moment, remember this. Don't give up. Have some tenacity. And so even today, as we, as we pray over having a vision for our life, or various areas of our life, I also want to have the, the ministry team pray for us to have tenacity. Maybe there is something that God is bringing back to your mind. Maybe there's a promise or a vision that God says, Remember, I gave you this very same vision last year. I gave you the same very same vision three years ago. But you didn't follow it through with the tenacity necessary. This is the year in which you're going to have the tenacity to get from here to there. So I'm going to have that prayer team just pray specifically for that. But for those of you who said, I've always wanted that vision to become a reality in my life. But it seems as if every time I give up before getting there today, we will pray for an impartation of tenacity. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. And uh, I just want to kind of bring this home for each of us. Without vision, my people perish. Without vision, my people don't know where they're going. Without vision, my people chase after things that end up not being worth all of their time and effort. Without vision, uh, my people sell their heritage and, and sell that which is more valuable to that which is of no value. Without vision, my people never build the relationships in their life that they need to get to where they're going. Without vision, my people allow sins and habits and lack of disciplines to rule their lives and they never build the disciplines in. Without vision, my people never ask the tough questions in their life and never deal with the tra- pain and the trauma that they need to overcome to get to where they're going. Without vision, my people are swept away by discouragement and fear. We need vision. You need a vision for your year, for your finances, for your health, for your life. And my prayers say that over the next few days that, that God will give you that vision you'll have a very clear picture of where God wants you to end up in in those areas of your life. So as we move into the the ministry time, worship team leads us in this last line. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And there's just a couple prompts here that I want to give. If you've heard this message and, and maybe like Habakkuk, you're like, God, I can't see it. Would you break through and show me that vision. Come on forward, Purteen. If you're tired of being kind of stuck in the moment, almost a, a victim to the urgency of the moment, and you just say, I, I want to live my life with more intentionality, then I would encourage you to come forward. If there's dreams and places and promises that, that God has given you, but but you look back and you know, I just never really had the tenacity to push through. And you just want that impartation of tenacity. And I pray that you come forward and receive prayer today. So God, I, I just thank you that we live by faith and not by sight. And so I pray this morning that you would give each and every person here a vision. Not of, of that which can be seen with the natural eye, but, but that which can only be seen with spiritual eyes. Kind of pull back the curtains and, and let us see your heart. For our future. And impart within us just that, that courage to wait and then, move, and then to run. Yeah, and and also um, just sense the Holy Spirit saying that there are some people who their coordinates um their expectation of what God can do in their life has been lowered because of the things that have happened in their past. Maybe shame or regret. And God wants to deliver people and set people free from lowered expectation and misaligned coordinates. And I believe that today there is forgiveness and grace that God wants to pour out so that people can see just how far and how great God's plan is for your life. And so if you're here today and, and, and if things in your past maybe cause you to live with a lower level of expectation or anticipation, God wants to set you free from that so that you can really see all that God has in store for you. So let's stand together and have the worship team lead us in this last song and then I encourage you to come forward uh, in prayer and receive prayer from from the ministry.